0: Check, check, check. All right. Uh, is there any specific way that you want to do this or just kind of bounce all over the place and go one place to the other? Do you want to kind of walk through Casey Johnson's questions and answer? How do you kind of want to structure this?
1: Yeah. I mean, I I know that uh, there were a couple of different outlets, you know, Cali had a piece and uh, I think they also gave one to McGraw with the Daily Herald. Um, I think what makes the most sense is probably just you know and you know who knows we'll probably get on a tangent or just kind of the <laughs> conversation we will go where it goes but start off with 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 Casey's you know kind of Q&A because the you know it, it's a full transcript and I think it's probably the easiest way to dissect what John said. And <laughs> okay, now we can start Locked on Bulls part of the Locked on Podcast Network a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. If you build it they will come. Joel, you seen that movie? He's
2: in the movie, Joe.
1: Host Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA.
2: In our 670 of The Score studios, Jordan Malley. Shout out to Jordan Malley. Did Matt Peck get a signed copy of that book? No, Matt Peck, he didn't. No. No. No, Talk to D. Rose. Yeah, you got going to make make it Matt, Matt, you will be getting your book (laughs) soon. Kick back and get ready for
1: the best hour of your day. Are players buying in, Jim? I, yes. Fair enough. And so all I was saying on this podcast, the Locked On Bulls podcast.
0: Locked On Bulls, five days a week. Locked On Bulls starts now. You can just see the vibe. Here are your hosts, Jordan Malley and Matt Peck. What's up and welcome into Locked On Bulls, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jordan Malley, along with me is Matt Peck. Follow us on Twitter at Jordan C. Malley at Bulls underscore Peck and at Locked on Bulls. Hit us up on our text and voicemail line. We're doing mailbag tomorrow, so you want to get your questions in. You want to drop us a voicemail? 331-979-1369, the place to do that. Voicemails, text messages. We need them. We want them from you. Give us your reactions. State of the Bulls, John Paxson interview. Anything in between? Hit us up three three one nine seven nine one three six nine. Matt, back again. Um, just full disclosure for our listeners: we are recording this as a second episode today on Monday, so you're listening to this on Tuesday. So we will have a reaction of some sort uh, to the Bulls game that happened on Monday night. Uh, but we wanted to spend an entire episode on talking about Paxson's move not to uh, address the media and have it on video have it on audio but rather just give out a handful of different interviews so we're going to spend the entire episode about Bulls management just John Paxson overall um, and maybe dive into some Jim Boylan stuff but first Matt how are you?
1: What's up Jordan? What's up Bulls Nation? Uh, Looking forward to our conversation about this John Paxson interview Uh, uh, you know as, as I was reading it on Saturday night I just kept thinking to myself yep 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 pretty much exactly what I expected to hear from John which was a big fat nothing, um, but be, because it's the first time we've heard from John since this horrible season got underway, you know it's 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 worth taking the you know appropriate amount of time to try to dissect exactly what he said and exactly what's going on with this team in his eyes, um, and and how the fan base feels about it.
0: So let's just uh, let's kick it off. Let's start with the fact that he's decided not to do like a public media scrum question and answer like he normally does. I find this a very bizarre move in the position that the Bulls are in right now. And I understand, first to start, that there is nothing John Paxson's going to be able to say or do at this point right now, here today, that would make any Bulls fan out there satisfied. Besides firing himself or quitting, that would be the only thing that I think would, would make Bulls fans happy. Maybe firing Jim Boylan temporarily, but to step back and... To only give a handful of interviews and to do it only in a written form, I find a bit bizarre considering their positioning and their confidence going into media day. This is everything before this throughout the rebuild. What did you take, first of all, from that? The fact that he's just giving select interviews?
1: Yeah, well, I'm not surprised uh, because, you know, we we heard that around the same time that we also heard over the weekend from a few different sources um, over at your workstation, 670 a.m. The score that his usual Christmas morning interview that he does with 670 every year will not be happening this year. And correct me if I'm wrong, Jordan, but... He has not gone back on six seventy the score since the infamous interview with Danny Parkins, where John Paxson got super defensive and and you know used that that phrase. It's starting to these interviews start to feel like interrogations. Is that correct that he has not been on the score since then?
0: He hasn't gone on with McNeil and Parkins since that interview, but he did go on with Mully and Haw. I want to say I could look up the exact date, but it was right in the middle of July, like right in the heat of. Uh, offseason stuff and coming right off of the draft. So he has been on the score since. And I don't know if he did anything with the media, like right before the season kicked off, right? Like right around September, end of September, early October. But I know for a fact that he has been on, but just one show and that was Mullion Haw. Right.
1: So to me, that's not surprising because knowing that a sports talk radio host and especially some of the folks in this city Parkins included, who I think was completely fair and did an excellent job in that interview that got Paxson so ticked off because, hey, we'd like some answers. I'm not surprised that Paxson is shying away from that because instead he is setting an environment that he thinks he is able to control. One beat writer from select media outlets at a time in a closed door interview, that is Paxson doing everything he can control. In a Q&A session to answer for a season that has not come close to meeting not just the fans' expectations and media expectations, but the expectations that he himself set at Media Day. So it's it's cowardice from a guy who always talks about accountability and yet never actually does anything with regard to being held accountable. Not surprising at all to
0: me. Well, that's what I find weird too. Is the fact that he lets Jim Boylan go out there and run his mouth, and for the most part, makes the organization look dumber. And to no no fault to Jim,
1: except now they're not letting Jim talk about <laughs> players' medical injury issues and injuries.
0: We'll talk about that in a minute. But and to no fault Jim Boylan his own. Like some people just aren't good at speaking and don't have exactly what they want to say it happens it's part of our world some people are good at it some people are not Jim Boylan and Gar Foreman not very good at doing that and I think maybe John Paxson felt after last year's trade deadline and all the media rounds that he did and just getting absolutely killed maybe he felt like you know what I don't want my audio getting cut up and spliced and he even said it in that that Parkins interview he's like you guys you guys take things out of context and then you spit it to your fans and your listeners and then they take it as gospel. But to me, and just and we'll get into th- this interview now. But to me, Matt, don't you think that it, it 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 comes off and it it lets the mind wander when you're only reading transcripts or stories as opposed to actually hearing what John Paxson is saying? To me, I find that a bit bizarre. If he wants clarity as far as the fans hearing him outright, a hundred percent.
1: Yeah, I again, it it all goes back to the Bulls being a very thin-skinned front office, a very thin-skinned ownership group trying to control a narrative that is spiraling out of their control because they have all done a poor job. But they are so concerned about this, you know, and they try to admit that they're not or they try to say that they're not. Oh, we we're not worried about public perception and we can't control falsehoods that are out there. We know what's going on in our building, we know what's being said in our building and we have to continue to put trust in ourselves. Um, and it's like, it's, it's just so, it's so laughably false. We all know how thin their skin is. We all know the ways in which they hide the ways in which they deflect criticism that should be accepted by them when they fall short. And we have to sit here as a fan base and listen to this whole accountability spiel over and over and over when there is none. And they say that they don't care, and they say that they don't pay attention to that stuff and that noise and and this billboard and that fireguard packs t-shirt and and the booze that are coming down in a half-empty stadium. they do. They pay attention and they care about all of that stuff. So much so that I heard that Reinsdorf was pretty ticked off recently when John was in these interviews asked about the failing attendance. They care. That they are the laughing stock of a rich Chicago sports town right now, and they are so preoccupied with deflecting criticism and trying to control the narrative that they focus way more on that than just doing their jobs better. And it's it's as a fan, it's infuriating.
0: It is. In you know, it, it, I thought I was there last year where I was just at a point where I just don't care what they say because I know they're not going to say anything that is going to make me feel satisfied. But like you said, like even just reading this, I can hear John Paxson in the way that he would say it. Things like, first of all, I want to take responsibility for where the organization is, as always. I assume responsibility for this. I own where we're at. Um, But then it, it doesn't even take a paragraph for him to give us one immediate excuse about why this season isn't working the way that they thought when they pitched us at media day of playoffs as the goal. He said Jim implemented a brand new system which I don't know about you, and maybe maybe I've just been oblivious to this or should have just assumed this with hiring a bunch of new coaches to his coaching staff, but... I didn't realize, I guess, that Jim Boylan was implementing an entire new system. Did you know this?
1: Well, I he, obviously he changed a thing. He changed things differently when he took over for Fred because he wanted to, you know, and I think paraphrasing, like to stare, like tear it down and start over, tear it down to the studs and start over. And that's why you saw the Bulls playing at such a slow offensive pace for a while. You know, just throwing the balls to Rolo in the post, crawl before we can walk, before we can run. But that was just for taking over midseason. But that this. Coming into this training camp, Jim was, you know, installing a completely new system that was, you know, the what they tried to show at times last season, but not fully install, which is this, you know, "quote unquote" multi-ball handler system. And uh, John essentially using that as the first of several excuses, saying, you know, I it was a miscalculation on my part that the offensive system that Jim and and you know, by you know, to extension also Chris Fleming when when he was brought in um, has has not taken hold with the players as quickly as we all thought it was so
0: I, I guess maybe it's just the fact that we did see so many different ways that the Bulls played over the like whatever the last calendar year even just in 2019 going back to the back half of last season you know there at one point we were watching Robin Lopez be their main source of offense And that was a joke. Although, shout out to Robin Lopez. He did a good job uh, and helped the Bulls in a lot of different ways. But then in February, we saw a glimpse of what we thought was going to be the Bulls' new quote-unquote system. And then March, obviously, we didn't see anything. Guys sat and we saw a G League team out there for the most part. But anyway... I guess I was just confused when he used that and maybe it isn't maybe it is a new system and it wasn't just explicitly said because obviously they're playing different than they were last year as far as just the way that things are going both on both sides of the ball uh, but i I'm with you. I don't like the fact that he used that within the first five sentences in the first question asked there was already an excuse there but I guess I want I want to go to a more of a broader point here for a second. What were you most shocked by? reading throughout any of these interviews, which from our count, there was four different ones. Darnell Mayberry, Joe Cowley, Casey Johnson, and Mike McGraw. Correct. Yeah.
1: Yes. Um, I mean, I, I, it's mostly just frustration because John said exactly what I expected him to say. Um, the, and Obviously Bulls fans would be frustrated to hear that, you know he confirmed that Jim is not going anywhere. Uh Jim is a grinder and we're going to stick with this rebuild. Um the thing that I thought was was most really annoying to me and and even for someone who has heard John Paxson spin or try to spin a lot of his own BS after the fact when he gets called out for it was the question that that Casey asked him about what he said on media day and the goals for the organization this season
2: our goals this year are really simple uh first and foremost we want to compete at a high high level uh we think we can compete uh and when you compete at a high level you you have the ability to be a playoff caliber team and we uh we are we set that as a goal jim talks about it he's not afraid of it and uh and our guys through their work have have shown us that uh they want to make that commitment so so we feel we
1: feel good about that and just in case you didn't see it i want to read this exactly question and answer on media day your organization stated that playoffs or your organization stated playoffs as the goal is that still a possibility it seems you have moved the goalposts a bit towards development which obviously needs to happen as well but the team hasn't been competitive many nights answer john paxson what we said is our goal is to challenge and compete for the playoffs and then he continues on and and rambles on are you kidding me what kind of bs spin is that what kind of loophole technicality is that we all know what we heard and your coach with a big mouth and no brain Immediately followed up John's goal of talking about playoffs and yes, kind of a vague way. He tiptoed around it. But your head coach, who you are still here at this interview at 10 and 18, insisting that you are behind, said very flatly our goal is to make the playoffs. And you have to say, well, what we said was, we didn't say our goal was to make the playoffs. We said our goal was to challenge and compete for the playoffs. Man, what the fuck is the difference? Get out of here with that
0: bullshit. He's taking the goalpost from the field of play and putting it at the very last parking spot in the parking lot of the stadium. That's how far he's moving the goalpost on this one. Like off of words? Really? Come on. You can't think that your fan base or and or any of these writers that are doing these interviews believe you for a second aren't calling you on that BS or aren't smart enough to realize, dude, oh, uh, come on. You're 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 playing with words here at this point. And, and we can go back and pull the the audio from the media day, too, just from Boylan and from, from Paxson. I tweeted out one Gar Foreman clip, and it wasn't anything towards Gar Foreman. Like, it wasn't to shit on him, but it was more the response. And what we hear collectively throughout the entire team is that they, they are going to stick to this path. They think that they're on a, a good trajectory, and they think they're building off of something here. And I was like, how delusional is everybody in that front office and and why do they think that their fans are dumb in some sense? Because that's how I feel when I hear this continuously. And we hear it from our fans too, Matt. We hear it on our text and voicemail line. And we get tweets daily about... How people are done, feeling like they're just feeding their money into nothing and they feel like that they're being treated as if they're this is the first time they've ever followed this team before. Like at some point, come on, man, own up, own up to it. I think fans would give you a little bit, a little bit of credit if you would just said, yeah, you know what? It's two first two two and a half months sucked. We, we're not playing at all up to expectations. And, and yes, playoffs were the expectation and we're failing miserably. I think fans would actually give him a little bit of credit for, for just being truthful for once.
1: Right. It, it's the same way that fans are infuriated with Jim Boylan's press conferences when he has to go out oh there and, and say, <laughs> that's what they did. They brought their guys in and they closed the game out. We have to learn to do that. That's, that's the growth plate. That's, that's what we're close. We're right there. That's the next step. I don't see any what disconnect. The- I don't see any disconnect. I see a team that's battling and trying.
2: If you build it, they will come, Joe. Seen that movie?
1: You in movie. the movie, Joe. Oh well, we won the first quarter, or we battled tonight, or you know, I'm proud of the way we fought tonight. When he coughs up a game that he absolutely should have won, it's like you know the the phrase that that my buddy John on Outsiders uses all the time, and it's it works for Jim Boyle and it works for John Pack, it works for Gar Form. It's gaslighting. Like, we're, we're not stupid. And they say that they care about us, and that's the other infuriating thing from John's interview because, you know, he was asked, and I talked about this, you know, a, a, a moment ago, how much discussion is there from the Reinsdorfs to you about attendance and how much of a concern is that? And Paxson's answer was, quote, very little. I mean, and then he goes on to talk about, you know, we're, we're, it's disappointing we're not drawing the way we are. You know, it's... it's I, I, I've always felt our fan base will support us if they see guys really giving everything they have. I want what I want more than anything is to have a team our fan base can root for that competes. He, he he has to sit you know, we have to sit here and listen to him talk about how he cares about the fan base and how you know, what he wants more than anything is to give the fan base a team worth rooting for. And then also in the same answer to the same question try to say, well, we're not concerned about the lack of attendance right now. How? What? How do those two things make any sense when said in the same breath? We really want our fans to have something we can root for. We're not concerned about attendance. The fan base is finally telling you that they have had enough. This loyal to a fault fan base is finally starting to show you in some of these recent home games that you and I talked about on Monday's episode, Jordan, have some of the lowest attendances recorded in more than a decade. And you sit there and answer, are you concerned? Have the Rhinos talked to you about attendance? And you say, no, but man, you know, I really hope the fans stick with us. What What the hell is that?
0: And what What have they given us to give us any type of hope that this is going to turn around and it's just not going to be a carousel every single year of the same bullshit. I mean, I get it. It's only year three, and we have still the second youngest team in the league. But you made it a priority this offseason to bring some veterans in here to actually mold this team into a team that was going to try and compete. Your auto porter trade looks fucking horrible right now. And, and I can't and I'm not blaming Otto Porter for injuries and I'm blame the foreign office for injuries, but it sucks. You knew this dude had injury problems and then you came into the season banking on the fact that he was going to probably be the second most important piece to this team to their success. You can't be that delusional with the amount of times that you rest on your laurels about Derek Rose and what could have been if knee injuries didn't happen. You have to be more aware that you can't rely on Otto Porter to be your second most important player to this thing going right this year. And sure enough, the dude's played in what five games this season, and he might not even play another right. game this season.
1: And look, to be fair, I think you and I were both on board with the auto trade when it happened. I thought we got a quality player, right? Doing the best with a bad situation. That was Bobby turned down the offer that they gave him. And Jabari was an explosion of, of horrible situations. And so you made the best out of a bad situation. Um, So at that time, we were like, all right, well, Otto's a solid player. He's overpaid, of course, but he's a solid player. And we saw the positive results when Otto came in and played last season. The Bulls looked more competent with Otto than they had at any point in the rebuild so far. But now, as you said, the injury concern is there. And we sat here all summer long saying, oh, dear God, if Otto gets hurt, they're screwed. And so that was another excuse that Paxton used in these interviews when Casey Johnson asked him, so you're going to ride this out as is this season, Paxson's response was, there's not a quick fix. We'd like to get Otto back. Part of our shooting issues has been that he hasn't been on the floor. Okay, yes, that's true. It's also true that before he got hurt, Otto actually wasn't playing all that well to begin the season. What is more importantly true is that you, the vice president in charge of constructing this team's roster, said while we were all sitting here in the void screaming about the lack of wing depth on this roster, we're going to bring back Archie Diakono, we're going to bring back Shaq Harrison too, and we're going to ignore this glaringly obvious point of weakness on our roster behind a guy with injury history. So you can't use Otto's injury as an excuse if you're the guy who built the roster that
0: has struggled so mightily in his absence. That's on you too, John. You know, and if if Daniel Gafford hasn't had the start to this season that he's had so far and essentially saved the Bulls as far as their bench bigs go, who the fuck are you turning to besides Wendell to play any of those minutes? Luke Cornette sucks, man. That was a terrible signing. It was a terrible, terrible, terrible signing. And he does, he's useless. He is absolutely useless to this team. So now you run out there, and you don't even play Thaddeus Young, the guy that you brought in a bunch of money for, said you were going to make him an important part of this team and you can't even get the, your coach to play him uh, 20 minutes a night. It's, it, it, exactly. Exactly, Matt. It goes back to that very first point. The number one priority on this team this year, this offseason, was to have depth. They even said that. Besides leadership, veteran leadership, they wanted to have depth. And they missed it at the most crucial position on this team, that wing spot. They didn't draft a wing and they didn't sign a wing. And then you re- relied on Chandler Hutchison, who hasn't been healthy since February, and you relied on Otto, who dealt with a handful of injuries just in last year's season with the Wizards before he came to the Bulls. So to me... It,
1: but, I mean, hey, George, at least they have six point guards, none of whom yeah, are actually it's point guards. great to
0: see guards. Ryan playing the fucking three in a five-point game in three minutes left in the game. Or Shaq Harrison having to play the three. God, like... Or or Chris oh Dunn God. starting at oh the three. Oh my God! <laughs> so to that point, it, it, you you set Jim Boylan up in a shitty situation because you didn't give him the depth that you said that you did you were going to this offseason and, and then then it's just excuses. And then I love I love this. We'd like to get Otto back. Exactly. We'd like to get him back. Dude, I, I would I would probably put a decent chunk of money that Otto probably plays less than twenty games for the rest of the season. I'm at that point, man. I don't, I don't even expect him to come back the rest of this season. I don't blame him either. Get fully healthy before you come back, man. There's no point in in coming back eighty percent and re-injuring yourself because we know sure as hell he's picking up that option in the summer. And he's coming back next year. So.
1: Oh yeah, a- after this injury, of course he is. Uh, you know, I I know Arpel Fred was trying to argue earlier in the year that uh, you know Otto might opt out because he could get himself another sizable contract in a weak free agent class. But no, to, I mean to me, especially with this injury, the answer is simple. Otto is one hundred and ten percent picking up that player option for twenty eight point five mil next year. The Bulls are going to have no wiggle room. They're going to have no flexibility. They're they're going to return the same roster as the roster they have this season, which you know means that. If there is change on the horizon, it's going to be them panic trading a player that's part of this young core or firing this coach and trying to get somebody else to run it. But it's not happening until
0: next week. And this isn't to shit on Otto either. Dude, I like Otto as a player and I think he fits this team the way that they're trying to construct it when they're all in a perfect world. He's perfect for this team. But the dude just can't stay healthy and it's frustrating. It's not his fault either. So I get that. And this isn't like, again, it's not to shit on Otto. Of course, I'd pick up $27 million if I had an option next summer. Of course, everybody would. So I don't blame him on that either. I just want to make that clear. Um,
1: Yeah, and I'm with you. I I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't play at all again the rest of the season. You know, because based on the timeline of now four weeks... To be reevaluated, not coming back in four weeks. Reevaluated in four weeks, then you're talking about getting closer to the All Star break, which would probably mean, hey, let's be safe and we'll take the cautious route and we will wait until after the All Star break to maybe bring him back. At that point, if the Bulls are still on this trajectory of losing twice as many games as they win, what's the point? What's the point for the Bulls? And more importantly, what's the risk? What's the point of the risk for Otto? Why am I going to come back after this injury? to play for a team that has 15 wins in fucking
0: February. It's a joke. It's an absolute joke. Matt, there's something else I want to get into, too, because Casey Johnson, I thought, did a good job of of something in particular that John Paxson had had kind of ignored or sidestepped and asked him a couple of follow-up questions. But before I do that... If you're listening to our podcast right now on Spotify, I appreciate you and glad that Spotify has come along and started to distribute podcasts over the last year or so. So if you have a Spotify subscription, Spotify listeners, they've come out with this thing called Wrapped. It brings together your entire listening, your listening log for the entire year. First, it was only songs, but now they've included podcasts too. So if part of your Spotify rap is one of us, either Locked On Bulls or any of the Locked On Podcast Network shows, in your top listener listening podcasts of the year, take a screenshot of that and tag us at Locked On Live or at Locked On Bulls if we are your number one listenership. I know we already had one of our listeners tweet at us, and he listened to over Matt. He listened to over a thousand hours, or no, a thousand. What was it? Fifteen hundred minutes, maybe a thousand hours sounds like a lot. That, that, that's but it could a, be. I don't
1: even know if we've done a thousand hours of this podcast since we started.
0: That's, that's true. A, so that's a lot like 15, of hours. I was gonna say yeah, fifteen hundred minutes. Um, of listening to us. And we were the top podcast he'd listen to all year. So we appreciate everybody who listens to us. So tweet at us at um, LockedOnBulls or at LockedOnLive. If we are one of your top shows of the year on Spotify, tag us on Twitter and we will share and retweet it. We might have something uh, special for you too, if you tweet at us. So again, at LockedOnBulls for Spotify wrapped. Matt, so back to, the, back to the question that I found, and I had to keep continuing to reread this over and over again. And shout out to Casey Johnson for this. He asks maybe the third or the fourth question. He said, do you think players believe in the system and in turn have belief in Jim Boylan? John Paxson, I want to read the answers in full here because I think it's important for context. John Paxson answers this question this way. I have good communication with our players, so I have a good feel for what's going on. I think this is a combination of a lot of things. When you're not having success, it's easy to question and point fingers. When you run an offense and if you're getting open shots and individual players have to look at themselves too. Just like coaches have to look at themselves and I have to look at myself. I think it takes time for everybody to understand why you're doing certain things. The one thing about this system that Jim Boylan and his staff have implemented is there is room to grow. Jim tells me we're trying to set the foundation. That goes back to me getting guys to understand that and then start playing instinctually out of that. That's the next area they have to grow. So in my opinion, that first question, he didn't answer the question. He didn't answer whether or not he believes players are still buying into what Jim Boylan is serving as far as overall what he's doing with this team night in and night out. So then he asks a different question then follows up again with a different one. Do you think the locker room still buys into Jim? Answer from John Paxson. We recognize players have a voice in this day and age. They are empowered in a way they've never been. And that's a good thing for the league. They've taken that and used that in a positive way for the league. We talked to the players. Thad, we've spoke to. The one thing I'm confident is Guy... Guys in that locker room share the same goal. They are together. There's never going to be a perfect situation. There's always going to be some type of conflict. It can be teammate to teammate or coaches to players. That's inevitable in this business. I don't expect this group to fracture. I'd be disappointed if they did. All the guys in the locker room express to us their character, and that's not where they want to go or would ever go. I believe when they tell me that... I know that when things are bad and you're not winning as much as you should, people want to point fingers. I'm not doing that internally. We can't do that internally. Once you do that, you're in trouble. Again, I don't think he answered the question there, or maybe he did by saying everything but. But to me, those responses say, you know what? There's been a lot of players maybe behind closed doors who said, like, what the fuck are we doing here? Like, what is he doing? What are we doing with this team in general? And it seems to me that all of those answers without explicitly saying it, Guys are starting to say, "Yo, we're gonna do our own thing because this is clearly not working." And it seems like the the guys together as players are very, 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 very tight knit, but not tight knit with their coach. I don't know how you took no. those answers, but I no. find it very bizarre.
1: You don't have to be you don't have to have a master's in like body language psychology to yeah. tell that this team and its collection of players are fucking fed up with Jim Boylan's bullshit. Nobody wants to listen to Jim Boylan. You can see it. You can see it with their body language, the way that they look or more accurately don't look at Jim during timeouts while Jim's talking. Jim has this annoying habit of like marching quickly and promptly and aggressively onto the court every time out he calls. It's like, dude, give your players a second to walk back themselves to the bench before you start yelling in their ear. Nobody on this team is enjoying playing for Jim Boylan right now. With the exception of maybe, you know, a couple of his teacher's pets who are getting minutes who probably shouldn't be getting minutes. I mean, the, 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 these que- these responses about whether or not guys are buying in, does locker room buy in, you know, and assessing Jim's performance, these questions from Paxton are such obvious dodges because he knows that this team and its players are sick of Jim Boylan. I mean, he, he was asked, you know, how would you assess Jim's performance to this point And he said, I'm not giving in, or I'm not into giving rankings. He knows that this coach is failing and was asked a question about assessing his coach's job performance and said, I don't want to do that. And he's asked, Do you think players are still buying in? And he, I mean, I can't like choking on his own lie is what I picture John doing here. I mean, it's a transcript. Sadly, we weren't in the room, we couldn't see. John's body language when he's coughing up these lies and these ridiculous spins there is no way that John believes if he's being real with himself and looking in the mirror that this coach who he is backing and doubled down backing despite their 9 and 18 start at the time of this interview there is no way John believes his players are buying into Jim and are not sick of him already of course they are
0: you know, I was thinking about this as an example of guys that were pissed off that left this organization that didn't mention before. Justin Holiday is another one, too. I know that the Bulls were rumored to bring him back over the offseason. But from what I heard, it was part of that near-mutiny last year was led in part by Justin Holiday. So there's another player, too, who has said what the fuck are we doing here and sure enough he got shipped off about a month later it was part of a leadership committee which i found find hilarious but you're right like it, it's the same exact thing that happened to jim boylan when he went on um uh, mully and haw last year right right before trade deadline and i played it in our intro our, our players buying in jim and he chokes on and pauses for like five seconds awkwardly and says uh, uh yeah And they said, all right, fair enough. I mean, it's the same response from John Paxson as well. I think they both know that these players aren't buying in to to anything here because it's not translating into the ultimate goal, which is wins. If this team was winning games, we wouldn't hear any of this. And they're not. And, And it continuously becomes what it was last year again. It's just an extension of what last year was again. And it's frustrating. It feels like we're living in a a twilight zone, Matt. And this this is a nightmare. We continue to keep living.
1: And it's, you know, I think the other um, takeaway and it was, you know, kind of just tucked in there in one of his longer, you know, long winded answers to to questions. But when John was talking about, you know, that first question of, you know, what's disappointed you most? And he started talking about the system and Jim installing this new system and it taking longer than he would thought. He also talked about how, you know, he he's with this team a lot and he's in They've practices been in this building. And, you know, he's in film observation and and he sees all these things that he likes in practice and in film. In this building. And that is not translated. Here in the advocate center. And he talked about missing Otto and he talked about, you know, Lowry struggling to shoot out of the gate. And all of these different little subtle ways that John is trying to say the players are are the problem. It's the players fault. The players aren't playing well enough in Jim's system. The players are given the right instructions in practice by this coaching staff. The players are told the right things in film study by this coaching staff. And it's not translating into games. And he is refusing to answer a question about his coach's job performance and throwing the players under the bus just like Jim's been doing all season long. And it is the latest example of this organization who, surprise, surprise, goes back to no one who actually wears a jersey and plays on the court in this league, having respect for this organization and these Jabari comments from recently. It's because when en- whenever anything's going rocky, who do they throw under the bus? Occasionally a coach, you know, threw Fred under the bus despite not giving him any of the pieces that they should have, threw Tom Thibodeau under the bus on his way out of town, but most of the time, it is say whatever you want about the players. If we're not winning games, blame the players. We're not playing well enough. But don't you dare come at us! Don't you dare come at the people at the top of this organization. And this interview from John Paxson is another
0: gigantic, fat, ugly example of exactly that. You know what's oddly bizarre, Matt? Is that sounds like that response from John Paxson? and always putting it on the players and blaming them first and not taking an accountability of himself, it's exactly what I said last year around January or February, that I was fearful that John Paxson and Jim Boylan had like minds. And sure enough, it speaks volumes. Jim Boylan does the same exact thing. When he fucks up in a game late, whether it's rotations, subbing guys in and out, taking timeouts, whatever the case may be, he always spins it and turns it on the players, while in turn never taking the accountability either, bus throws every player in front of it and says, you know what, deal with it. And John Paxton's doing the same exact thing. And he can say as much as he wants. Yes, we take responsibility. I mean, that doesn't mean anything to me because it's not genuine. I don't feel like it's genuine when he says that because we hear it repeated so often. But again, it just goes back to... John Paxson and Jim Boylan are very, very like-minded. And we're hearing that in the similar tones that we hear Jim Boylan after every game. Blame players for losses. I get it. To some certain extent... The players are to blame for this, too. I mean, they've got to step up and perform regardless of the incompetence of Jim Boylan or anybody in the front office. So the, the players take part of this, but they're not the entire piece of the pie of why this thing is so dysfunctional. Right. Um, it, it's it, it, frustrating when your coach doesn't take any accountability. And same thing with your your president of basketball operations.
1: Right. And, and you know, to be fair, we here on this podcast do not just talk only about bashing this front office and ownership. I know a lot of the fan base wants that to be the focus right now, especially the way the season has started, Um, and and that's the focus of other podcasts and other blogs. But we were talking Monday about Zach Levine struggling to close, about Lowry Markkanen underperforming. We we analyze and criticize the players too when they deserve it. But to me, this is the crux of the issue. Coming into this season, we are hoping for, as a fan base, solid – positive steps individually from some of these key players that would translate into the team taking steps and becoming more competitive and winning more games. It is, a, it is a big, big fat sign to me that yes, the players are underperforming, but and more importantly, how many players are regressing and how many players are developing? They tell us it's about internal development under this coach, under this regime, every important piece of this roster is regressing. Zach Levine, regressing. Lowry Markkinen, regressing. Wendell Carter Jr., regressing. What, I mean, to me, that is the biggest sign of all, that yes, the players can be underperforming, and the players might not be as good as we want them to be. But if under this coaching staff, all of the play, if it were one player playing worse, and some players were still getting better, then maybe that then you can say, okay, well that that player has reached a ceiling, or that play, it's on that player for regressing. When everyone on the roster looks like they're playing worse than they did last year, that is such a obvious sign to me to points that that points to where the real issue lies.
0: I don't have anything else on this Paxson interview or what he did for the most part it was exactly what i expected it to be uh but the, the final question i have you for you Matt is do you expect Paxson to do any type of radio interview or face to face media unless they make a trade going up to the deadline because i don't uh, and and maybe even if they make a trade at this point or multiple trades leading up to the trade deadline we might not even hear from them at that point if things are still just as bad as they are right now
1: no i mean if 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 they make a trade, then he'll speak. He has to speak if they make a trade. Um, you know, assuming it's something not just like a you know, a cap clearing, you know, clerical work trade, you know, like the mellow trade or many of those other kinds of trades last season. Which, you know, man, give the Bulls credit. Their team might be absolute crap a third of the way into the season, and their head coach is a laughing stock across the league, and their ownership and front office is a laughing stock across the league as former players are bashing them all around town. Uh however they're so good at helping other teams with their books and clerical work and, you know, clearing a few extra $100,000 here and there. Gee, what, what, a, what a great thing to be proud of as an organization. Um, but no, to your question, I, I would not be surprised to to, to not hear Paxson speak again for quite some time, and I think a, tra- a significant trade would do it. But based on what we heard Paxson say in these interviews – they are not looking to make a move maybe they are having some quiet internal conversations and they don't want to make them public yet but if they if he insists on doubling down on Boylan and they continue to play this poorly and they have to think about making a change I I still think panic trading a player is more likely
0: than firing Jim
1: before the season
0: ends I'm with you on that and you're listening to this on December 17th so We're in the second day where guys like Thomas Adoransky and Thaddeus Young can now be available for making trades. So over, I don't know, the next six, eight weeks or so, we'll see if this continues to ride the way that it does. Then maybe we do see one of those veteran guys that they brought in uh, dealt. And then maybe we do hear from Paxson or somebody from that extent in an interview, whether it's radio or just doing a media session in general. But I'm with you. I think it's going to be a panic trader. It's going to be dealing the veterans that they signed this offseason and basically sidestepping and saying, yeah, this derailed in year three. We're going to try it again next year and hopefully be even better than hopefully have expectations that it'll go better than it did this year. And that's just to say that the Bulls don't go on a crazy winning streak of some kind, which the Bulls are known to do here in December and January and fuck everything up. So. I don't know. I don't know where it goes, but I, I do not expect him to speak as well. But do you expect uh, a Thaddeus Young or a Thomas Adiransky trade if the Bulls continue to kind of do this thing where they lose two or three games, they pick up a win, lose two or three games? you expect a trade for either of those guys sooner rather than later? Because I can expect that there's teams out there that are actually competitive that would want either one of those players.
1: I don't know. I mean, it's, it's hard to say what this front office is thinking because... We don't really have a whole lot of faith in their critical thinking ability. Um, I, I mean, I know if if anything right now, Thad Young has gotten a couple of games with more minutes since it went public that he is not happy with the role so far. And it since it went public that if it didn't change, that he and his agent would look to find a trade. And even so much so that you know I, I've heard, and I can't remember if it was phrased this way in Callie's piece, but what I've heard is that um, Thad's agent has said to the Bulls when, you know, Thad made his agent aware of how frustrated he was if you don't change this and give Thad more minutes and you don't fix what's going on here and you don't want to proactively find a trade for Thad because he wants out, we will go find a trade partner for you. That's what I've heard. So, uh, is it possible they trade Thad before the season's over? Yes, because Thad, before the season's over, might say, yo, I wanted to come help you guys build your culture, but your culture is fucked. Get me out of
0: here. Can't blame him. Cannot blame him one bit. You guys have a reaction to anything over the weekend from the and interviews. We want to hear from you. We're going to do a mailbag tomorrow, and I'm sure we're going to get a ton of questions about this as well. So, 331 979 1369, the place to hit us up. Drop your voicemails, drop your text messages. 331 979 1369. Easiest way is save that number in your phone. Your frequent listener, frequent texter, caller. Save it in your phone as Locked On Bulls. You'll be able to call us and text us instantly. Uh, you can hit us up on Twitter at Jordan C. Mally, at Bulls underscore peck, and at Locked On Bulls. Our email is Bulls at gmail.com. For Matt Peckham, Jordan, Malley, Bulls Nation, have a wonderful day. We'll be back tomorrow with a fresh episode. For Jordan and Matt, we are out.
1: Deuces. Talked a lot about accountability and the accountability you guys had for yourself and kind of self-assessing yourself. This is now year three of this rebuild, and you guys are throwing the word playoffs around. In your mind, where is the
2: accountability? Where is the pressure as far as you're concerned on yourself? I think, Joe, we we put pressure on ourselves each and every day, you know, as, as we... know, we put that pressure on ourselves. And and, um, I know when we started into this period, into the rebuild period, uh, we knew it was going to take time. We knew it was going to take a lot of effort. We knew um, that the decisions we made would be critical. And, um, you know, uh, our feeling is, and John mentioned, you know, where we are today versus where we were two years ago, that we're definitely headed in the right direction. That uh, Jim's mentioned, we think we got the right type of people, the right young players, with with their makeup, their character, their work ethic. Uh, we certainly think we've added a degree of talent to this roster. Um, and and then the last, you know, one of the last steps this summer when we we're putting this team together was to get some veterans that could come in here and play alongside these young guys. Uh, but not only to be mentors, guys that can play, that can contribute on the floor, and be a part of our success moving forward. So. Um, We take that very seriously, being accountable, um, and we will continue to. And, you know, we think with the summer that we've had, both as far as draft, free agency, what's happening on the floor with Jim and his staff, that we're headed in the right direction.
1: Locked on Bulls, a show for the most passionate fan base in the NBA. Hosts Jordan Malley and Matt Peck dive into the best Bulls news and stories around the NBA.
2: For more content and to stay up to date, head over to LockedOnBulls.com.